You got to tune to the Texas Standard. I'm David Brown. The makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court has been at the center of American political conversation of late, with concerns among folks on the left and right about what's often characterized as the ideological balance of the court. As if you needed more evidence, consider how it's part of the backdrop to concerns about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's recent injury. But one may fairly wonder just how different our concerns and considerations about the court might be today were it not for the role of one justice in particular, a certain individual who took office 117 years ago. A new book helps us understand why. John Marshall, the man who made the Supreme Court. The author is Richard Brookheiser. If you know that name, you may recall he is senior editor of the National Review. Richard, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out to talk with us on the Texas Standard. Thanks for having me. You've written about presidents in the past. Why did you want to turn your attention to this giant uh, of the Supreme Court? Well, he was close personally and ideologically to several of the men I'd already written about. Uh, He was nominated uh, for the post of Chief Justice by John Adams. Uh, He was a friend and admirer of Alexander Hamilton, Uh, but most important, John Marshall admired George Washington. He thought he was the rock on which the revolution rested, and he also agreed with Washington's politics. Why do you think, you know, it's when you think about the founding fathers, I think a case could be easily made that John Marshall ranks right up there, even though obviously he, uh, he's not one of those uh, household name founding fathers. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, partly he's not on the presidential placemats. Um, we focus on people who were famous enough to make it on the money. The court is a little harder to grapple with. It seems more technical. Uh, it's also somewhat of a recessive branch because it has to sit there and wait for a case to reach it. Do you think Marshall lives all these years later? Well, certainly the economic system that he helped put in place, we still have. When we think of it, we associate it maybe more with Alexander Hamilton, particularly mm-hmm. after, after the musical, right. but you know he planned a lot of the financial machinery. But there also had to be legal principles sustaining that system. So in that sense, he, he's certainly still with us. The other, uh, the obvious way in which he's still with us is that we're having this radio conversation, right? I mean, if the Supreme Court was less important, I wouldn't have written this book and and you wouldn't have me on to talk about it. And, you know, we wouldn't have had this big fight about uh, now Justice Kavanaugh or the fights about, you know, uh, Clarence Thomas, Robert Bork before that. Um, Why is this so important? Why is this so vital? Well, because the Supreme Court acquired a position as a peer of the presidency and of the Congress. Mm -hmm. But that was not what it had when it first set out in the 1790s. And I'll give you the the best benchmark. When the, the vacancy arises in the Supreme Court, which John Marshall will ultimately fill, And this is in the lame duck of the Adams administration. Uh, Adams has already lost the election of 1800 to Thomas Jefferson. There's going to be a new president of a different party. The man he offers that he thinks of is the man who first held it, John Jay. He was chief justice from 1789 to 95. Mm -hmm. So Adams sends Jay's name to the Senate. The Senate confirms him. Then he gets a letter from Jay saying, 
I'm not going to take the job because it, it lacks dignity. This is what Jay says. It's amazing. The, fed, the when whole you think federal about it, judiciary right. lacks dignity. Right, right. You know, so there's Adams sitting in his uh, office in the still uncompleted White House. I mean, the, the the shell of the building is up, but the inside's a construction site, and he's he's sitting in there with uh, with his Secretary of State John Marshall, and he says, "Who shall I pick now?" And Marshall <laughs> says, "I don't know, sir." Then Adams thinks and he says, "I think I'll pick you." So, <laughs> right. the, so this is how John Marshall gets his job because John Jay didn't want it anymore. And he makes and, it into the institution it. Yeah, that it he, is today. You know, he's there for 34 years. He also herds all his cats on the Supreme Court. I mean, you mentioned the partisan balance of it. Right. When Marshall comes on, there are only six justices. They're all Federalists. Within 11 years, the balance has changed to, thanks to retirement and death and replacements, mm -hmm. two Federalists and five Republicans. Mm. They, they also added a seat. So that's a big partisan shift. But lo and behold, all these no, new justices, most of the time, find themselves agreeing with John Marshall. And that's, you know, that's partly because he's charming. Seems like he was a wonderful guy. Uh, one of his fellow justices said, Joseph Story said, I love his laugh. Um, William Wirt, uh, who would become attorney general, he said, Marshall's mind was like the Atlantic Ocean. Everybody else, else's mind was like a pond. It's a story about a man, but it's also, in many respects, a story about America. Richard Brookheiser is the author. He's senior editor of National Review, and the title of his new book is John Marshall, The Man Who Made the Supreme Court. Richard, thanks for spending a few minutes with us on the Texas Standard. Thank you.